0: blog talk radio until you stop breathing until you stop bleeding until your heart stops This is your host, Victor Ruiz, of Getting Healthy Today, Impacting People's Lives, Block Talk Radio program. We're live, and you can call into the show at 215-383-3984. That's, once again, 215-383-3984. Or you can uh, listen to it on the Internet at www.blocktalkradio.com forward slash getting healthy today. Good fight you just heard. That was from that great group called Unspoken. You can check them out at www unspokenmusic.com, that's once again www.unspokenmusic.com great group, check them out check out their music, you could also check them out on iTunes, and also you can check me and my episodes, uh, once you're finished with this program, you can listen to it again or share it with your friends on iTunes uh, and um, definitely follow the show so you can get the updates to when I'm having my next show uh, next week we're going to be talking about anorexia and bulimia, today We're talking about pulmonary embolism. Now, I just wanted to let you know that the show helps listeners like you. Thank you for being supportive, everybody, with the show, uh, old and new listeners. This show helps listeners like you to become informed and educated about the various health conditions that are out there and also to improve everyone's ability to to, uh, achieve their goals, weight loss, improve wellness, just be uh, involved in inspiration, personal achievement, leadership, you name it, what have you. My goal is to educate everyone listening, motivate, and inspire all of you to become champions of life with success and good health. So, again, I want to thank you so much for being here today. Uh, For the next 25 minutes or so, I'm going to be talking to you about pulmonary embolism. Uh, Basically, I'm going to tell you about my story first, and then I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the facts about pulmonary embolism, and we get that from mayoclinic.org. All right. Today I want to like talk about former embolism because it is something that I had to deal with unfortunately back in I would say 2006 I could be off on the date 2007 um I unfortunately had uh was receiving uh, vein surgery and one of these side effects is uh receiving something like this which is pulmonary embolism now immediately when I had the problem uh I I couldn't breathe and I didn't know what was going on I thought it was to do to the anesthesia but what I later found out It had to do with both of my lungs were clotting, and uh, the danger of that, folks, is that you can, of course, die from it. So not only did I have it once, but later on, two years later, around 2009, approximately, I had it once again. So I knew that I had to get a serious change in figuring out what to do. So at the time of my treatment back then, I was receiving heparin, uh, which is a blood thinner and helping me, and I was hospitalized for a couple, I forget how many days I was, maybe a couple days, three days. But after that, um, you know, before that, I was taking Coumadin uh, as a medication. And unfortunately, it didn't work out for me. It does work for other people. It just didn't work for me. And then I was taken off of that and put on a medicine called a rickstra, which is an injectable that you do every single day. And it's a li- I had to do it lifelong uh, process. Uh, it's an injectable that... It will be a blood thinner for the rest of my life. So I have, and I also got what they call venous filters that help you also prevent more clotting to happen in that area. So I had many different procedures done just to uh, help me with that situation. So I want you to understand that anything I talk about today, you know, you definitely want to learn more. You definitely can go to MayoClinic.org. You talk to your doctor, but definitely with pulmonary embolism, it's something that if you feel like you can't breathe don't take don't take it too uh lightly um doesn't mean that every time you have a breathing problem that you have pulmonary embolism however if i would have done that and maybe taken it lightly i might not be here talking to you so everything i talk about is definitely important and my goal is to educate all of you with this issue so one thing i have learned is the quality of life from this situation it was very scary being in that hospital room. I didn't know if I was gonna make it. Honestly, I had a tremendous amount of fear. And especially when you're married and you have two children, you don't know what's gonna happen. So you almost think the worst unfortunately. But I'm so grateful that I have faith, I have my family, I have my friends that always support me in everything I do. And that there is a way to, to come out of such a, a bad situation. But what I have learned is I need to and not only impact my life and make it better but I also impact people around me. So whatever I do or don't do has a strong impact on other people. So one of the reasons why I created this show, Getting Healthy Today, is I felt the need to push the ability for people out there to look at themselves and say, you know what, i got to get healthy today, not tomorrow, not next week, right now. So in the title, Getting Healthy Today, was pretty much an inspiration in itself. I want people to get inspired and say, you know what, whatever I'm doing wrong today can be changed if I just take that change of mindset. I need to change the way I think, and then when I change the way I think, I'm going to act in a different way as well. So hopefully anything that you've heard from me up to this point, this is my 43rd episode, this is something that is dear to me, and let's let's go right into it right now. So pulmonary embolism is considered a blockage in one of your pulmonary arteries in your lungs. And in most cases, a pulmonary embolism is caused by blood clots that travel to the lungs. And it can also go to other parts of your body. And it's also known as deep vein thrombosis, which I also have a history of. Now, because blood clots block blood flow to the lungs, pulmonary embolisms can be life-threatening, as I just spoke of. However, prompt treatment greatly reduces the risk of death. Taking measures to prevent blood clots in your legs can help you protect against pulmonary embolisms. Now, let's talk about the symptoms. Of pulmonary embolisms. Now, the pulmonary embolism symptoms are the following: shortness of breath, which occurs typically and suddenly as it gets worse with exertion. Now, chest pain. You may feel like you're having a heart attack, which I did at that day. Unfortunately, the pain may become worse when you breathe deeply, which is pleurisy, which I had also in one time in my life. You have coughing. Um, You get stooped over. The pain gets worse with exertion but won't go away when you rest. There's a sudden cough. It may produce blood or bloody streak in sputum. Now, other symptoms that occur with pulmonary embolism include leg pain or swelling or both, usually in the calf area or region. Clammy or discolored skin, which is called synosis, S-Y-A-N-O-S-I-S. You can get a fever, excessive sweating, rapid or... Sorry about that. I'm having a technical difficulty. I apologize. Um, rapid or regular heartbeat, lightheadedness or dizziness. Now, when do you see a doctor? Obviously, when you're experiencing any one of those symptoms, it may even involve go to the emergency room. Anytime you feel that much problem, don't hesitate. Go right to the ER. There's no reason to uh, hesitate. One of the things that unfortunately guys do, not every guy, but I've done that before. Is hesitate to go somewhere? You don't want to. You think it's not the worst, and it may not be as bad as you think, but you never know. So just go and have a peace of mind by going there. So never, never negate yourself from going to the ER, folks. Especially if you're a guy. Don't be a tough guy. It's not worth it. Pulmonary embolism. The causes are when a clump of material, most often a blood clot, gets wedged into an artery of your lungs. These blood clots most commonly come from the deep veins of your legs. So it starts the legs and can travel up into that region. Now, in most cases, multiple clots are involved, but not necessarily all at once. The portions of lungs served by each blocked artery are robbed of blood and may die. This is known as pulmonary infarction. This makes it more difficult for your lungs to provide oxygen to the rest of your body. Now, occasionally blockages in the blood vessels are caused by substances than blood clots, such as, fat from the narrow of a broken uh, long bone, collagen or other tissue, parts of a tumor or air bubbles, risk factors. Although anyone can develop a blood clot and subsequent pulmonary embolism like we're speaking of today, certain factors can increase this risk. So be, be mindful of this. Medical history. You are at higher risk if you or any of your family members have had venous blood clots or pulmonary embolism in the past. So my children... I have to monitor that because they could be someone that may have it in the future. So I have to be careful with that. This may be due to an inherited disorder that affects the blood, making it more prone to clot. But I do want to say something about myself. I did get extra studies done on me, but it's really interesting. My hematologist did a lot of different studies and did not find any blood clotting factor, like that they could say I have a blood uh, clotting factor um, disease necessarily. Um, He just said, basically, I just have that proneness to this situation, which is kind of interesting. Now, it talks about here that some medical conditions and treatments also put you at risk. Now, I have heart disease, like it says here. I have CAD, coronary artery disease. And it says cardiovascular disease, specifically heart failure, makes clot formations more likely. Now, I don't have heart failure, and I don't have congestive heart failure, but I do have heart disease. Cancer. Now, certain cancers, especially pancreatic, Ovarian and lung cancers, and many cancers with metastasis, can increase the levels of substances that help blood clots. And chemotherapy further increases the risk. Women with a personal or family history of breast cancer who are taking tamoxifen or raloxifene also are at high risk of blood clots, as it mentions in Mayo Clinic. Surgery is one of the leading causes of the problem, blood clots. Now, this is where mine began. I had vein surgery, and this was one of the side effects of that particular procedure, unfortunately. For this reason, medication to prevent clots may be given before and after major surgery as a joint replacement. Now, prolonged immobility, bed rest, being confined to a bed for an extended period after surgery, a heart attack, leg fracture, trauma, or any other serious illness can make you more vulnerable to blood clots. When lower extremities are horizontal for a long periods, the flow of venous blood flows and Blood can pool into the legs. Long trips, sitting in a cramped position during lengthy plane or car trips, have been known to slow blood flow in the legs, which contributes to the formation of clots. Now, I've been grateful I haven't had those problems yet, but definitely you want to keep in mind. Now, smoking is other factors. For reasons that aren't well understood, tobacco use predisposes someone to be involved in some kind of blood clot formation possibly, especially when combined with other risk factors. Being overweight, excessive, excessive weight increases the risk of blood clot, particularly in women who smoke or have high blood pressure. Now, what I've done to reduce my weight, not only have I changed the way I eat, but now I'm a vegan, so that's extremely helpful. I've actually noticed uh, changes in the swelling of my legs and becoming vegan. My varicose veins have not been as pronounced and enlarged as they used to be. But it varies from person to person. I'm not saying vegan did that, but in my case, I feel it did have an, uh, that. It did help me. Pregnancy: the weight of a baby pressing on the veins in the pelvis can slow blood return from the legs. Clots are more likely to form when blood slows or pools. All right, folks, let's take a small break right now. And when we come back, we're going to continue. We're going to talk about complications of this condition,
1: prevention.
0: And we're going to talk about the diagnosis and treatment. So you're listening to Getting Healthy Today, Impacting People's Lives. We're talking about pulmonary, pulmonary embolism. And if you want to call to the show, don't hesitate to call at 215-383-3984. That's, once again, 215-383-3984. And when we come back, we'll, we'll go right back to what we just spoke about, pulmonary embolism. As you all know, I've been a huge AdvoCare supporter for a long time. I've used AdvoCare products since 2002, my second year in the NFL, how time has flown by. Certainly, I can attribute a lot of my success around the AdvoCare products and around being part of Team AdvoCare. The motto at AdvoCare is we build champions. And certainly, I'm one of those individuals who's very self-motivated, and when it's all said and done, I want to be a part of a team that's a championship team. And I know I have that with the New Orleans Saints, and I certainly know I have that with the AdvoCare family as well. It's a great feeling and certainly a great opportunity to be the national spokesperson for AdvoCare. I take it as a great responsibility and certainly a great amount of pride, not only in representing the product and the AdvoCare name, but also the thousands of distributors who are working tirelessly every day to show the world what a great company AdvoCare is, what a great family it is, and obviously what a great product they
1: provide. Hi, my name is Maya Bialik, and you probably know me from The Big Bang Theory, where I play neurobiologist Amy Farrah Fowler. Well, in real life, I'm actually a trained neuroscientist who spent seven years of my life working towards a PhD specializing in obsessive-compulsive disorder. My research for my thesis confirmed a significant personal connection for me with OCD. OCD is real, as are anxiety, depression, and panic disorder. I know about those as well. I also know way too much about bipolar disorder, suicidal depression, and a host of other conditions I've come in close contact with in my life. But my interest and involvement in the world of mental illness didn't start in graduate school. I come from a family full of a phenomenal set of skills and also a tremendous amount of struggle. Many in my family have lived with mental illness without help or support. As hard as it is to live with a mental health condition and not get help, it's also hard to love someone with a mental health condition when we don't know how to help. As I left my parents' home and went out into the world, I learned that people who struggle with mental health conditions are to be found in every corner of the globe, in every racial and ethnic group, and from poor and rich families alike. No family is immune from mental health conditions, and it's a rare and blessed gift to be able to get help when you or a loved one need it. I've turned to NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, as a resource for myself and those I love for years. NAMI is a nonprofit organization whose goal it is to provide support and information to those living with mental health conditions or loving someone who's living with a mental health condition. NAMI does this through support groups, my personal favorite, fundraisers, public service announcements aimed to remove the stigma from mental illness, advocacy, and helplines to give you support if you or a loved one need it. It's not easy to talk about mental health conditions, but I know too many people I love who did not get help in time. And that's why I've chosen to speak out with NAMI and spread the message that I am stigma-free and everyone deserves to get the help and support they need. And NAMI can help you do that. Please consider being a part of NAMI's mission.
0: We're back at Getting Healthy Today, Impacting People's Lives, Block Talk radio program. And we're talking about pulmonary embolism today. So I hope everybody's enjoying this episode. And we're live. Again, if you want to call into the show. The number is 215-383-3984. I hope you enjoyed listening to those two uh, commentaries. We had Drew Brees talking about Adventure products, which I am involved in, and also Mayim Balik, Balik uh, from Big Bang Theory talked about stigma and getting involved with NAMI. I can also help everybody with that, mental health and substance abuse. So I do that, help people with that in the jail. So definitely get in touch with me if you have any questions about that or how I can possibly help you or someone you know with any of those situations. All right, folks, so today we talked about pulmonary embolism. I told you a little bit about myself and my story. With that unfortunate condition, I'm doing much better now, thank God. It's been several years. Uh, what I want to talk about right now is complications, prevention, and then we'll close the show with diagnosis and treatment. Okay, so let's talk about the complications of embolism. Now, pulmonary embolism is, of course, I said to you, a life-threatening illness, and about one-third of people undiagnosed and untreated pulmonary embolism do not survive. Let me say that one more time. One-third, 33% of people with undiagnosed and untreated pulmonary embolisms do not survive. When the condition is diagnosed and treated promptly, however, the number drops significantly and dramatically. Pulmonary embolism can also lead to pulmonary hypertension, a condition when the blood pressure in your lung and in the right side of the heart is too high. When you when you have obstructions in the arteries inside your lungs, your heart must work harder to push blood through those vessels. This increases the blood pressure within these vessels and the right side of your heart, which can weaken your heart. Now, the other thing I want to tell you is I have currently two stents in my heart, which they've said they you got to make sure you keep track of that, because it can weaken your heart over time, but you want to make sure that you follow a good diet and get regular checkups, which I do every six months or sooner, depending on my my doctor's advice. So in rare cases, small emboli occur frequently and develop over time, resulting in chronic pulmonary hypertension, also known as chronic thromboembolic pulmonary hypertension. Now, I don't have that, thank God, but that's something that should be noted. Preventing clots in the deep veins of your legs is also something you want to do to prevent pulmonary embolisms from forming. For this reason alone, most hospitals are aggressive about taking measures to prevent blood clots, including coagulants or anticoagulants blood thinners. These medications are often given to people at risk of clots before and after an operation, as well as to people admitted to the hospital with a heart attack, stroke, or complications of cancer. Now, with my clotting problems, I do have to be careful because I do have a risk of potentially having a stroke later in my life or even now, so it's something that you have to keep that in mind and consistently get help as needed. There's compression stockings, which help you steadily squeeze your legs, helping your veins and leg muscles move blood more efficiently. Leg elevation, you want to elevate your legs when possible, and during night also can be very effective, raising the bottom of your bed four to six inches with blocks for books. Physical activity, moving as soon as possible after surgery can help prevent pulmonary embolism and hasten recovery overall. This is one of the main reasons why a nurse may push you to get up, even on the day of your surgery, and walk despite the pain at the site of your surgical incisions. pneumatic compression, the treatment which uses thigh-high or calf-high cuffs that automatically inflate with air and deflate every five minutes to massage and squeeze the veins in your legs, improve blood flow. Now, Prevention. While traveling, the risk of blood clots, as we've said, develop while traveling is low, but increases as travel increases. If you have risk factors for blood clots and you're concerned about traveling, please speak with your doctor and talk to them prior to going on your trip and get all the information necessary so that you have a safer trip. Your doctor may suggest the following to help prevent blood clots during travel. Drink plenty of fluids. Water is the best liquid for preventing dehydration. Take a break from sitting. Move around the airplane cabin once for an hour or so. If you're driving, stop every hour and walk around for a couple of times. Do a few deep knee bends. Fidget in your seat. Flex your ankles every 15 to 30 minutes. And, of course, wear support stockings. I've been bad at this, but, yes, it is definitely a necessity. Now, diagnosis and treatment, just before we go, let's talk about that. Like I said before, pulmonary embolisms can be difficult to diagnose especially in people who have underlying heart or lung disease. For that reason, your doctor will likely order one or more of the following tests, which are blood tests. Your doctor may order a blood test for the clot dissolving substance, feed dimmer. High levels may suggest an increased likelihood of blood clots, although other factors can also cause high feed dimmer levels. Blood tests can also measure the amount of oxygen and carbon dioxide in your blood, and the clot in a blood vessel in your lungs may lower the level of oxygen in your blood. In addition, blood tests may be done to determine whether you have an inherited clotting disorder, which I said to you before, I don't have, but you need to know yourself. Chest x-rays. The non-invasive test shows images of your heart and lungs on film, and though x-rays cannot diagnose pulmonary embolism, they may, be, may even appear normal when pulmonary embolism exists. They can rule out conditions that mimic that disease, however. Ultrasounds. A non-invasive test, also known as duplex ultrasonography, sometimes called duplex scan or compression ultrasonography, uses sound waves to check for blood clots in your thigh veins. In this test, your doctor uses a wand-shaped device called a transducer to direct the sound waves to the veins being tested. These waves reflect back to the transducer and translate into a moving image by a computer. The absence of clots reduces the likelihood of a DVT, otherwise known as a deep vein thrombosis. The upper side vessels are clear. The ultrasonography will also scan the veins behind the knee, looking for residual clots. If clots are present, treatment is likely and will be started immediately. Spiral CT scan. In a spiral, often called helical CT scan, the scanner rotates around your body in a spiral, like the stripe on a candy cane, to create 3D images. The type of CT scan can detect abnormalities within the arteries of your lungs, with much greater precision precision and convention CT scans. In some cases, the contrast material is given intravenously to scan outline the pulmonary arteries. Pulmonary angiogram, the test provides a clear picture of the blood flow in the arteries of your lungs. It's the most accurate way to diagnose pulmonary embolism, but because it requires a high degree of skill to administer and has potentially serious risk, it's usually performed when other tests fail to provide such a definitive diagnosis. MRIs. MRI scans use radio waves and powerful magnetic fields to produce details of internal structures. Because the MRI is expensive, it's usually reserved for pregnant women to avoid radiation to the fetus and people whose kidneys may be harmed by dyes used in other types of tests. Treatment is aimed at keeping the blood clot from getting bigger and preventing new clots from forming. Prompt treatment is essential in preventing serious complications or even death medications, blood thinners, clot dissolvers, otherwise known as thrombo lytics. While clots usually dissolve on their own, there are medications given through the vein that can dissolve clots quickly. Now, I use blood thinners, and the one I use is called Arixtra. Um There are some surgical procedures done, which is uh, clot removal and also a vein, a vein filter, which I got, and that was positioned inside my body so that it doesn't further provide me with a clot in the future. All right, folks, there you have it. That's the pulmonary embolism in a 25-minute span. I hope I didn't bore you too much. Tremendous value, and you will definitely know a little bit more about pulmonary embolisms and see the nature and the severity that it can place on an individual. So if you know somebody who's having some chest pain, you know, don't say it's pulmonary embolism, but definitely take them to the hospital get them checked out. It's not something to mess around with. Take it from me. I told you my story today. I could have been dead if I didn't take initiative to go to the hospital immediately. Uh, I'm glad I did. So, those of you who are hesitant to go to the hospital, or don't like going to hospitals, in this case, you have to go or you could die. So, you don't want that to happen to you. All right, folks, definitely check me out on my Getting Healthy Today Facebook page. I'm also on Instagram, I'm on Twitter. Just look me up, Getting Healthy Today. Feel free to reach out to me at vreves at comcast.net. And also check out this Blog Talk Radio program at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash gettinghealthytoday. Follow me there. Check out my other episodes. Again, I'm going to be on uh, iTunes immediately after this broadcast and on Stitcher Radio. Don't forget, next week we're going to be talking about anorexia and bulimia. Share these episodes with your friends. Help somebody. Remember, My goal is to educate, motivate, and inspire all of you to become champions of life with success and good health. Have a wonderful day, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. Take care.